Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mike Acker about speaking without fear to influence others. Mike Acker, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Great to be here with you, Jonathan, and looking forward to talking to your audience today. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's always fun to talk with like-minded individuals who speak and write along the lines of leadership. And you have a recent book out called Speak With No Fear. So I thought that could be the focus of our conversation today. We'll talk a little bit about your book, of course, and some of the concepts there. Um, but, But generally speaking, how we can speak without fear in the workplace and as leaders, how we can get beyond fear uh, to better influence others and and get the most out of our people in positive and sustainable ways. So that'll be the focus of our conversation today. As we get started, I just wanted to share Mike's bio with everybody. Mike Acker is an executive and communication coach, a keynote speaker, and the author of four books, including the best-selling Speak With No Fear which has appeared on numerous book lists, even getting designated as the number one book on overcoming fear of speaking on Forbes.com. Mike, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background, your professional accomplishments, personal context, anything like that? It's interesting for me that a lot of people just assume that I just came out and being able to speak. But really, my history was overcoming a speech impediment as a kid, not being able to say the j sound, not being able to hear the difference between shoulder and soldier as a kid, or saying peanut butter and jelly or jam, and having to work through that to become, you know, the spelling bees and all the different presentations I did as a kid. Then we moved to Mexico. So I understand what it's like to not speak in your main language. A lot of my clients, they're from around the world, and they struggle with English sometimes. And I say, I get it. I understand that. I've been there. I know what it's like to be on stage in front of your entire class and for all of them to laugh through every single word you say, including the teacher laughing at you and to get psychosomatic fevers so that you don't have to come to school the next day. And then to transition back to the United States and understanding how to be an American after really becoming culturally a Mexican and learning to speak in that endeavor. So if you have a speaking mistake or leadership mistake, I've made it. I've made it. I've done it for you. I think one of the sympathetic aspects of what I do is that people go, oh, if he can do it, I can do it. (laughs) So uh, I failed. I've done all the bad things he can do. And I've learned how to get to the other side. Well, thank you for that. Thanks for uh, providing that framing. And you know, I think we can all relate because we all are just a, a hot mess of mistakes, right? We do our best, the best we can, uh, put our best foot forward, and ultimately, 
um, you know, there are gaffes and there are mistakes that we make. And I resonate with you. Uh, it's a bit heartbreaking to hear, you know, about the story about school and, and the kids and even the teacher laughing, um, though I can resonate, that resonates with me and I can relate to it. Um, also going to speech uh, as a child myself. And, you know, there, there's a certain amount of confidence you gain as you face your fears and you seek to overcome those sorts of challenges uh, to the point where you feel like, hey, I, I could do that. I could do this other hard thing. I could do this other hard thing. And just recognizing that those those mistakes don't define you. Ultimately, you get to choose how you're going to be defined. You get to choose how you present yourself to the world. And you don't have to listen to the naysayers and the people mocking or trying to pull you down. Yeah, very true. Very true. You have to get past that. I always tell people there's three fears that stand in the way of you improving. There's the fear of failure. What if I'm put myself out there for the promotion and then I don't do a good job? What if I start an entrepreneurship? What if I do whatever and I fail? I, I do absolutely miserable. And the second fear is that fear of rejection, like what you and I are talking about. What if people don't like me? So it's not even a, what if you don't do a good job? It's what if people don't like me? It's more that personal aspect. And I just would rather be liked or be unknown than potentially rejected. When I wrote the book, Speak With No Fear, one one early reviewer said, this is trash, this is garbage. I remember reading it going, oh, really? While other people are saying how helpful it was, here's one person. And we often listen to the few naysayers in our life than the many positive people. And the third fear is just the fear of actually doing anything. It's the fear of action. And so a lot of people just don't jump. Don't do it because they're fear afraid of even starting. And I don't know what always brings about that fear of starting. You might even go back to the other two. But there's that fear of just changing the status quo. So all of that starts with a belief that you can, that you can get past it. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And it, it really can be difficult to, to just put that first foot forward, uh, especially when you're, you know, that first step is into the darkness. We like, you know, as humans, we like stability, we like security, we like to at least have a, a sense of, uh, of stability, even if it's faux stability. Um, and so anytime we're challenging the status quo, anytime we're pushing ourselves, stretching ourselves, uh, particularly if we're stepping into the unknown, uh, of course, there's fear there. And, and a lot of people uh, resist that and would rather just kind of stick with what they know, even if what they know isn't great, even if, you know, they, they're, they're dealing with all sorts of challenges in the current uh, context. Um, so there's, like you said, there's a lot of reasons why people don't act, don't move into a more positive future. Um, but I think fear is, is probably the biggest one. Um, the different types of fear you just described, I think are excellent. So, so what pushed you to write this book? What was the, the core motivation behind it? So the core motivation is that I've said this so many times to people and again and again, at the time I was actually working in corporate America and Yet I was coaching on the side. I've been coaching for years. So again and again, I'm just saying the same thing. You ever feel like a broken record? You just say the same thing again and again and again and again. And to the point where I'm getting a little bit annoyed at that, at that season of just repeating myself. Can't someone come with something different than this? And then at that point in time, I had a client who once again had the fear of speaking. And she had written a book that had just taken off. And she was invited to speak at a college 
getting paid a good amount of money to go speak at this college. And she said, Mike, I got to do it, but I'm just terrified. And so we started talking. And so she ended up saying, I'll work with you to, to create a book and you work with me. So I said, okay, let's do this. And I thought, what am I going to write about? And the first thing was this, the core motivation on everything I do is to help people realize their, their, their potential. That's like my, my mission in life. Even at the beginning of the day, I say a prayer, God, help me help people today, whether that turns into something that I get, get paid for, whether it's helping them through a book and they pick it up and they buy it and that pays me, or even it's just somebody feels inspired, improve. So the core motivation even behind those seven strategies was I want to help people and I don't want to just say it again and again. I want to be able to give it to them so they can take it and they can be free. And it's not just something they hear, but it's something they do. Oh, that's beautiful. And I, that also resonates with me. Um, I felt similar things and, and it is, it's always, it's wonderful when you have a chance to support someone, coach, mentor them and see positive changes in their lives. Uh, and, and we do, you know, I, I coach as well. So we, we do that as, as leadership coaches. Uh, we get to see those types of outcomes. That's really positive. Um, but there's only so many people we can meet with. There's only, you know, we only have so much bandwidth. And so uh, a similar motivation behind why, you know, I've written some of my books and it's nice to just be able to share information. It's nice to earn a little bit of money too, but it, it's nice to be able to share and to help people. Um, and, and that's a driving motivation that I have too. I hope every each and every day that I can help people to discover and maximize their own personal potential and help others on their teams do the same. And like you said, one of the main things we have to overcome in order to do that is to tackle the fears that we face. Uh, one of the things you talk about is, quote, where you are is not where you stay. Um, what do you mean by that? And why is that important? So this goes back to a whole story with my family. And ultimately, it's actually one of those motivational keynotes that I'll give in different environments. But then it goes to the practicality of strategies in my book and in other books and my work. So with my dad, my dad was a drug dealer and full-on drug smuggler, flying to Columbia, cut out the middleman, speak Spanish, and bring him back to the United States. He recently wrote a book called Pirates, Scoundrels, and Saints about this. And it's really every character is him. And then when I was about four or five years old, he had this radical conversion along with my mom to Christianity and not, not political Christianity, not just church attendance, not just moralistic, but what did Jesus say? Let me go take care of the poor. And so I grew up going to soup kitchens and nursing homes and different things that we could just provide relief and love to people. AIDS in 1986, we're serving some people who had AIDS when people thought it was contagious by go into the restroom. And that's what my parents did. They taught us that. And so I saw this transformation in them, that where they were was not where they had to be. And as I've reflected on their own journey, that they made choices and the choices that they made, made them. The choices that we make right now make us. And where we are does not need to be where we stay if we make choices to take us to a different area. And we all know this in areas of, for example, physical fitness, if you're looking at yourself and you go, man, I am far out of shape and I don't like it, then we can make some choices. 
and we can make some choices to get us to a different destination. We all know that in those areas. We all know that in just in terms of walking. If we start making one step after another, we'll arrive at a different destination after a period of time. And the choices that we make to move, to take the next step, they make us. Where you are is not where you have to stay. But the reason why this is so central to public speaking is a lot of people on their first call with me, say they're signing up for a program or they're calling me about whatever it might be, or maybe it's a conference that I'm doing and I'll be talking to the event organizer. And in that conversation, people will say, can people really get there? Can I really get there? And in that question, there's doubt. I don't actually think I can. I don't think my team can improve. I don't think we can get to that destination. And if you don't believe you can get there, you're right. Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. Absolutely true. So where you are is not where you have to be. It's all about believing that you can get to a different direction, that with the right steps, it doesn't happen magically, but with support, with gumption, with work ethic, with, with understanding, with awareness, you can get there. So if someone comes and says, Mike, can I get better? The first thing is let's remove the doubt. You can. And now I'm going to show you how. If you work this, it will work. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership. Ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. That's wonderful. And everything you just described comes from a combination of growth and abundance mindsets, right? That we recognize that we can, we, we all have limitations. We all have talents. We all have gaps in our skills. Uh, you know, everyone listening can think about probably two or three things right off the top of your head that you think are your, you know, top obvious ta- uh, talents, things that you just really uh, excel in. And then other things that you just, you wouldn't want to do. Maybe you're competent, but you don't particularly find yourself being particularly skilled there. We all have those things. Um, and we don't need to become like amazing expert level um, in everything, right? Uh, we can pick and choose. But the reality is with a growth mindset, we we adopt the attitude that yes, we can through effort, through resilience, tenacity, 
we can continue to learn and grow over time. Like you said, it's not easy. It's not magical. You can't flip the switch. You don't read a book and then magically all of a sudden, you know, be able to be, you know, a charismatic leader, an amazing speaker, uh, a great strategic planner, whatever, you know, the skill set is you want to develop. You have to work at it just like you have to practice for thousands of hours to be able to play the piano. Uh, It's the same thing, but you can do it if you're committed to it. And that's something that I, I just have to remind myself and relearn and reapply every day. Uh, because again, human nature is such that we like to, we, we kind of settle into our comfort zone. We settle into what we're good at and we kind of set the other things we're not so good at aside. Uh, and while that's not necessarily always bad, it does limit your opportunities and it does limit um, your potential because we, right. we, we can develop further. So I just love the way you frame that. And I think that's a, a super helpful message for everyone listening today. Uh, something else you talk about is, quote, it's not about us. Can you describe that a little bit, explain what you mean and why it's important for us, in, whether we're talking about speaking generally or even in leadership? One of the reasons why people get nervous and anxious when they're speaking is because they're thinking about what people are thinking about them. So here I am going to go give this presentation. What will people think? Will they like it? Do they think I look good? Do they think I sound good? Do they like the sound of my voice? What are they thinking about me? But most people are coming to hear and they're thinking about themselves. Like right now, as you listen to this, you're not going, Mike, that shirt right there and your hair, you need a haircut. And maybe those passed incidentally through your mind if you're watching or you're listening going, you know, his voice, it sounds like this. And you, You might have some of those thoughts, but the big thought is, does this help me? Is this relevant to me? So you're, while you might notice some things about me, you don't really care about me. Now, I'm sure you're a nice person. So you're hoping that I had a good day and all that. But in general, you're thinking about yourself because you're responsible for yourself. So you should be thinking about yourself. Now, as I speak, if I can instead think about you, you're driving and you're hoping to have some inspiration for the day or you're out on a walk and you just want a little extra strategy to get you to the next level or you're at home and this is playing the background as you type in some things for your work. As all of that different things are happening, if I can go, how can I help you? Then it makes me more confident because I'm not nervous by having all eyes on me. In fact, all eyes are not on me help me get your eyes on you and my eyes are on all of you too. And so I'm pointing towards you. Ultimately in leadership, we see the memes about the boss versus the leader. Again and again, it's this idea of the leader is about lifting up the people that the leader works for. Often we think as a leader, we can, we can fall into the trap of these are the people who work for me, but the leader needs to be thinking of these are the people I work for. You work for your employees. You work to serve them. Your role in getting promoted as a manager is not now that you have 10 people reporting to you, but you have 10 people that you can help do the best work. And anytime you go with that mentality, it's going to bring out the best in the people you're talking to, and it's going to bring out the best in you. And incidentally, it's going to remove a lot of the anxiety and nervousness we feel. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I I think that's absolutely right. Um, I, I was uh, talking to another um, 
uh, interviewee the other day and he brought up the movie catch me if you can you may recall that movie with uh, leonardo dicaprio and the 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 guy at the time he's a kid right and he's going out and it, this con artist who pulls major cons pretends to be a lawyer pretends to be a doctor um a flight uh, a pilot um all these different things right and he just has the utmost confidence um, throughout all of it yet he I mean he he's learning as he goes he doesn't actually know what he's doing and one of the things that that, that um, the, the person I was interviewing the other day um, focused on and mentioned which I, I thought was a really keen insight is that for example when he when uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio character um, was was new as a as a surgeon head of head of you know whatever medical unit and he had students under him so he would go and and uh, there'd be this person with this ailment and the person would ask, or, or so they, there would be a group of doctors around and they would say, you know, what do we need to do? Um, they'd all look to him because he's the leader. He's the person um, that's supposed to have all the answers, right? He's the experienced person. Um, of course, he wasn't experienced. He didn't know what he was doing. So immediately though, he just turned the questions back on the other people in his team. And he said, well, um, let's, let's analyze the situation. What would you do? How would you approach this problem? You'd get their input and then collectively they would be able to come to a solution and he would be able to learn. Uh, I, it's, it's really fascinating to think about that. Um, but, but essentially, I mean, he was a con man, of course, but essentially that's what good leaders do. They lean on the expertise of their people recognizing they don't have all the answers. And in fact, I don't need to have all the answers. I shouldn't try to pretend like I have all the answers. And I don't need to be fearful because I don't know everything, but I can lean on the expertise of my people. And that gets right back to what you're just describing. If I have a servant leadership mentality that I'm there to help my people become the best they can become, um, it, it takes so much pressure off of you to be the expert of everything, the one with all the answers to everything. Rather, you're there to help ask the right questions, to help uh, encourage others to grow and develop themselves, like you just said. Uh, I, I think that's beautiful. And, and when you talk about um, the, the notion of, of it's not about you, that's absolutely true. I remember even back into my teenage years, having some of my first public speaking experiences. And at some point, I, I can't remember who it was, but somebody essentially told me that exact same thing. Like, it's not about you. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. If you, if you completely mess up and completely embarrass yourself, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember. <laughs> like people right. are focused on other things. And I was like, really, really? And, and sure enough, you know, I, I went and I did what I needed to do. And then I walked away and people said, good job. And then they forgot about it. Right. And they went right. on and they, they went on with their day. And, and that was so uh, freeing when I realized that at that age. And ever since then, like, I'm not the best speaker. I say dumb stuff. Uh, sometimes I say nonsensical things, Sometimes I say something, put my foot in my mouth and, and I, afterwards I'm like, oh, I cannot believe I said that, or I said it that way or whatever. The bottom right. line is I'm trying and I'm learning as I go and, and people are forgiving as long as you're trying. And then if you make a mistake, you acknowledge it and ask forgiveness and move on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting when you think about any time that you watch like a theater if someone pauses and forgets their line, your thought almost always, unless you're just a irreverent jerk, your thought is almost like, oh no, I hope they remember. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. 
And the audience really wants the best for them. And you know why they want the best for you? Because it produces the best for them. The audience wants the best for you because it produces the best for them. I want you to remember the line so that you can entertain me and not make me feel awkward. It's like flying a plane. I write about this in the book and in the same chapter on it's not about you. We, We want people to succeed. No matter if I met a pilot and I thought he was the biggest jerk ever, and I thought, you know, I hope you're, I hope you get what's coming to you. The moment we're on the plane, I want the best for that pilot. And when we're speaking, when we're leading, we're a pilot. And no matter if people like us off stage, they want us to succeed when we're on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe one more um, area to focus on as, as we wrap up today, we have just a few more minutes. Um, you also talk about, you know, just taking time to pause, smile, breathe. Why is that so important? Um, it's a simple thing, uh, yet it can have big outcomes. So why is that something that we should focus on? And if you want to get better in basketball, learn how to dribble. It's going to help your entire game. And a lot of people are looking for complicated answers to something simple. If you want to get better in speaking, learn how to smile. It makes you more confident. It makes you look more confident. It makes you feel better. It releases neuropeptides into your system. and increasing the sense of happiness and that peace of breathing. Breath is air. A lot of speakers, they tighten their breath and then they also they're like talking like this. But if you have a good breath off stage and you bring it on stage, you're going to be at peace because we all know that a good breath can clear cobwebs, can really make us feel at peace. And pause. If you want to get rid of those fillers, pause. It actually creates an, a, a moment where people want to lean into. So these are three things I say again and again and again. I don't know how many times I've said them, hundreds and hundreds of times now. Of course, they're in my books as well. But smile, pause, breathe. It's great if you buy a book that you can get better at in lots of books. There's lots of great books out there. Great to sign up for a program. Great to take a class. But if you want it free, smile, pause, and breathe. Yeah. And it's simple. Anyone can do it. We, we all um, can improve when it comes to public speaking. And one of the things that I, I just really like about your work is it's applicable to all of us because all of us have opportunities to lead, influence, and teach others, whether we're formally in a leadership role or not. Uh, I don't have to be in a formal hierarchical position within the organization to have influence on those around me and to be persuasive. And a lot of that comes back to just good speaking habits and tackling those fears is a big piece of that. So if I want to be a successful leader, again, people don't expect perfection out of me. I, uh, I, I'm not going to do everything perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say dumb things. The question is, isn't whether I'm going to do everything right all the time or not. The question is, uh, do I have the confidence to get beyond the fears that I have and do the hard, consistent work of trying to communicate with and influence those around me to generate buy-in and to help everyone, you know, more or less get on the same page so we can move in a common direction together to collaborate and bring about great outcomes for individuals, teams, and organizations. That's not easy to do, but it's also not rocket science. And if, as long as you're consistent and, and just focus on the little things like smiling, breathing, uh, pausing, those things will make a big difference. And a, a natural byproduct of it 
is like you said, people lean into the silence because they're intrigued. It also means you're not talking. So someone else can feel free to talk. So you can listen more, which probably we need to do a lot more of as leaders anyways. And ultimately it can be a win, win, win all the way around. Well, Mike, it, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I notice our time is almost up. Um, but I, and I want to be respectful of your time, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your books, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah. Mikeacker.com. That's a resting place of a lot of the different work that I do. I am all over the internet. So if you Google me or you go to Amazon and type in Mike Acker, you can find that new release of the second edition of my book. Ultimately, it's all starts with belief. If you believe that you can do it and you have the support and you have the resources and you have some kind of foundation for that belief, then you can. If you don't have the foundation and you don't have the belief, you're not going to go anywhere. So tie that foundation and that belief together. Get the tools, the foundational resources that you need to do it, and then arm yourself with the right mindset so that you can see the success that you dream of. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mike. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Mike can do for you. Check out the books. Uh, So many great resources. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.